Welcome to episode three of the Lost Joystick Network. <coughs> I'm your host, Mike Gunner Pitts. That's not my name. Hi, Mike. <laughs> the name you hear is Jerry H. Daredevil Crago. Just Jerry's fine. Okay, we'll go with Jerry. <laughs> use take two <laughs> let's use take two so yeah welcome back it's uh it's episode three i think i mentioned that already of the lost joystick possibly yeah, yeah yeah you were shouting up front i don't know what was going on <laughs> i have a tendency to do that i'm your host mike joined uh by my co-host jerry that's me jerry how are you i'm doing well how are you today mike I'm good. I'm not sure why I'm looking at the paper. I know this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't need you don't need your uh, crib sheet for this. <laughs> Here where it pal. says intro slash how was your week. Yeah. So let's you're get not, right to you're it. You're not that much of a robot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so how was your week or weeks? Uh, yeah, it was good. You know, uh, just past the Labor Day holiday, so spent some time with uh, my wife's family. Uh, did some some boating, some grilling. You know, the things <laughs> that I enjoy. Are you a boating enthusiast? I would say so. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> wow yeah that was a joke yeah yeah no it was a joke but i you know it's a bit of a joke it's not a good one yeah no no, no, no. it's a joke anyway all right and do anything fun i mean did the boating in the is uh it? yeah no? yeah i mean that's kind of it i actually had a couple of days off of work in a row which is the first time i've had that in a while just because we've had a lot of um you know, like events and things like that going on so that was good um you know just hung out with my wife we've done some some hiking, trying to get the last bits of uh, summer out of the way. Um, not not a lot of indoor activities, such as uh, playing uh, video games, uh, which has been great. When I look at you, yeah, I don't immediately gravitate towards hiking. No, don't no. take that as because I don't think anybody would think that if they looked at me either. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not a, a, a you know a, a completely physically fit man, um, but you know I'm trying. I I, I work out a handful of times a week. Um, hitting the game yeah well not, not the game right now the game's the game's down for the time being uh but a friend of mine uh set up like a, a gym in his garage and uh, a couple of us will go over there and lift weights and you know just shoot the shit so cool kind of what we've been what All we've right. been up to what's been going on with you man not much yeah i mean no hiking I feel like I talk to you every day, so when I talk to you like this, you already know everything that's going on. Yeah. But then yeah. I realize I'm not really doing it for you. No. Or your benefit. No. But you, you know, whatever. I'm here, though. No. Yeah. Uh, everything is good with me. I have uh, continued my crusade to collect every video game ever made, apparently. Mm-hmm. So beyond that, um, hmm, my, my job has been exceedingly busy recently which is odd for me yes the kids have gone back to school virtually mm-hmm. but i'm downtown away from them so that's nice <laughs> no it's fine but and then amy is back to school herself so yep it's uh it's been an adjustment for everybody sure uh, and um you know other than that everything has been good like i um, you know i went and picked up uh some games yeah so working on the nes set and some boxes oh yeah yeah i actually got quite a bit of stuff now that i think about yeah, it. yeah i think Shoot. those boxes were in the last couple of weeks right yeah so i wound up it, they absolutely were I, I on my quest to collect every nintendo u.s licensed cartridge ever made mm-hmm. which i'm 
<laughs> you know, I'm getting there. You're closing in. I, I added six to the list. Yeah. Um, in the last couple of weeks, and I actually was able to procure them from the, a friend of mine who was a collector who got out of collecting, and right. he and I met up over quarantine, like in May, I believe, or something like that. Yep. And he assisted me a great deal. I was like under 600 cartridges that are cartridges at that time, and I think I got. Oh, I don't even know. That's on Instagram. I'd have to look. There were a whole bunch of. Um, I got a number of like. Hard to find titles that you don't see, things yeah. like Terra Cresta and Tombs and Treasures and yeah. and things like that. But he and, and a lot of the mid level stuff that yeah, is like, just you just don't spot. You don't you don't yeah. see a copy of like well, I don't even I can't give you Alfred Chicken or <laughs> you know something like that. I, you know, you just right. the things you don't run into in the wild very often. You're right. So I was able to get but uh, but he and I I reached out to him. I knew that he had a few left that I wanted and a few that he wasn't super enthused about getting rid of so i reached out to him and said hey do you still have those ones i want sure and he said yeah you know i do come and get them and he's like an hour away so as we were talking i was originally going to go get like three cartridges for like 75 dollars sure but then the next thing you know blew up into like seven cartridges for more than 75 dollars and i'm like oh god yeah yeah you know how it is so he he had obviously you know kind of come to terms like hey i'm going to get rid of these cartridges and one of them was ninja gaiden 3 yeah. So I get in the car to head there. I had taken some time off of work, and I headed there to to get them that morning. It was a Wednesday morning. And he texts me. He said, I said, hey, I'm on my way. I should be there around 10 or whatever it was. He's like, okay, well, just so you're not surprised, I have to keep Ninja Gaiden 3. Ooh. And I was like, that's fine. I know he loved that game. I was actually kind of surprised that he was going to sell it to me. But he also understands going for the set. And I would not be surprised if at some point he did, even if it was just temporary. Who knows? You know, but until I got another one or something, whatever. Sure. But but I did. Uh, let's see here. The games that I got from him were. I had originally gone because I was going to get WWF Steel Cage match or whatever it is i forget what exactly what it's called here right uh, wwf king of the ring was what it was yep that yep. was the that was the last ljn title i needed and it was also the least expensive title i still needed right which we figured out that's the one with brett on the that is correct yep yeah. that is yeah. that is mr hitman himself on the cover mm-hmm. and then last action hero was yep. another one yep i remember that and then the young indiana jones chronicles well then he says hey I also have Formula One built to win. I also have Contra Force. I also have Rock and Cats. Now, hmm. built to win, not too expensive. Contra and Rock and Cats, you're starting to get into triple digit type prices on cartridges, right? right? So, but right. he's he's super cool to me, and he's he gives me decent prices on stuff. And uh, what I can also be assured of when I buy something from him is I really don't ever have to get pictures because it's always really nice. Right. So he's the guy I got my Flintstones. Uh, dinosaur peak cartridge from mm. you know that that kind of stuff so yeah you got, I, I, you got nice stuff from him yeah and i've never had to like be like oh god this thing's trashed or whatever it is so but yeah along with that uh, i i've been procuring uh empty nes boxes which i i never set out to collect nes boxes mm. it's never my intent mm. But now I have over 150 different ones. Yeah, and I've I've, I've got to be honest, I'm uh, encouraging this. Yeah, I know, I'm encouraging this bad behavior. Yeah, it's it's partially your fault. I blame you. But yes. So a former video rental store in the area had sold off their boxes to a local store, mm-hmm. and the store 
um, was so gracious to let me know that they have them, and they've had them for a little while. So this was not recent. Right, this was right. some time ago. But they've basically sat in a box forever, and a lot of them look like they never got put out or used. So I was able to get some pretty cool stuff. Like I got the Cryon Conquest box. I got uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Hillsfar. Like some you know GI Joe, some yep. tough boxes that. You don't ever see, and they're in not nice shape. Yeah, same. yeah, not only do you never see them, but they they include they are in very nice shape, and they include the manual. Yep. So of course, then I have to go like go to like I think it's retroprotection.com and buy like a bunch of box protectors <laughs> because the world we live in now is they're all collectibles, and you have to keep them all in perfect condition, and then you just put them on a yeah. shelf and dust them. They're in, in nice shape. I would I would hate yeah. for anything to happen to any of those. No, I agree. They survived this long. Yeah, well, they have, and that's always mm-hmm. that's always the way I think of it too. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, it looks like this now, and then I'm gonna go, boy, I'd like to get that uh that old glue off there. Yeah. I wonder if I can do that without <laughs> harming it. But I actually, you know, I I use that as an example because one of the games and manuals I got was for the Ghost Lion, which if I believe I showed you the cover of Ghost Lion, it is the one that looks like. Um, a woman, Siegfried and Roy, taming a white lion oh, in yes. spandex. Yes, I do remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically a drawing of like an 80s girl in spandex, but she also has a sword, I guess, and there's a lion there. It's some of the greatest. That along with Kickmaster might be two of my favorite NES boxes of all time. <laughs> yeah, because we were kind of uh, talking about how if that was a VHS cover, uh, cover, oh, yeah. we, we would want it as well. We, I it, yeah, it, yeah, I think it's a fair comparison too. Anytime right. you see something like that, you're like, whether it's a movie or a video game, I'm probably going to want to check it out, even if it's horrible. And Ghost Line is yes. actually a good underrated like RPG game. Sure, but nobody nobody ever played it. But that's probably because they saw the cover and were like, "What is this? A workout aerobics thing with a lion? What's <laughs> happening here?" Right. But yeah, so I was able to to get my hands on a bunch of those and um, some other things, some fun stuff, you know, just things that I've I've added to the collection. But the NES stuff is is really my favorite stuff, and mm-hmm. I, I'm closing in now. I'm at 660, 660 Sheesh. out of 677 carts. I still have some big boys out there. I've got plans on uh, how to get them, and the the opportunities will present themselves uh, as they do. <laughs> so you big, know, big Samson, yeah, big go. Samson, <laughs> big Power Blade, big Panic Restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pequeno Cliffhanger. <laughs> I think Cliffhanger is the least expensive cart I now need, and it's somewhere in the 40-ish dollar range. So Yeah. But, yeah. I feel like we saw one somewhere, and it just wasn't in good shape or something like that. Mm, I think we saw something, and it was trashed. Yeah. Like Terra Cresta or is something like that was? at one point. Yeah. That was before I got it. Yeah. And it was it was garbage, and I was like, eh. If I'm going to get one that's hard to find, I'd rather just have it be in good I don't want it to be... An, an outlier. When you look at all the spines yeah. of them all, I'm like, well, that one looks bad. And I'm not even like... That particular, just yeah. in that case. It doesn't I'm have like, to be Stone Cold Mint or anything. Mm. It just has to be presentable. Correct. Just like all of the other weird collectibles. Really just like when I go out of the house. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to go out of 10 out of 10. You're going to be lucky to get 6 out of 10. Right. I, I should have talked about that in my time to talk about what I've been doing lately. It's really been more about my... Uh, my Hasbro, my uh, WWE yeah. Hasbro collection lately. Well, it's too late. Yeah. Okay, you had your chance and you blew it. Well, we'll talk about it There's next no, week. No, you know what? Now I'm going to make you. <laughs> Do it. What'd you buy? Tell me Tell me all about your honky-tonk man fetish. Uh, I, that's not fair. Um, okay, your honky-tonk man obsession. I do. I love the honky-tonk man. I love all the honky-tonk man stupid get-ups. Um, you know, as as an adult wrestling fan, anybody that had the talent to make me hate them as a child, um, I've got I've got a lot of appreciation for. So Rick Rude, Honky Tonk Man, 
uh, any of the great heels of that era, of the eighties. Um, Elizabeth. Uh, <laughs> no. Jean Okerlund. <laughs> Jean's great. Jean's wonderful. Elizabeth. Rest in peace. Rest in Elizabeth, power, Jean. Yeah, rest in power, Jean. Elizabeth. Uh, just her story makes me sad, but. I got a uh, I got a honky tonk man with his guitar accessory this week. I didn't have the guitar before, so I needed that. I got the uh, the ginger taker, which is the uh, the red headed undertaker uh, variant, the earlier uh, Hasbro, and then I got a lot uh, just to fill in some a few that I'm missing. So. Fill in the holes. Yeah, yeah, and at this point, uh, I'm basically I'm kind of getting to where you are, where the, a lot of the stuff that I've left to get is the more expensive. Uh, yeah. toys and i'm like man do i want to pay you know three hundred dollars for like a one two three kid hasbro like, do you want to or will you because those are really two different yeah, questions i will, <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. but it's the same deal where like oh i don't never mind i don't want to just ebay one of those like i want to walk into a store and pay someone for that because that moment would be so much better so i will be patient about it for the time being for the time being i will say this <laughs> I was I have the same attitude as it relates to the Nintendo cartridge, cartridges. I think yes. at some point some of these but these games will walk in, right? Like to a store I frequent. Right. Like right, right. I will give you an example. I got a text from one of the people that works over at one of the local shops that said, Hey, we got in Felix the Cat, Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom, all this stuff. If I didn't have them, I'd have been over there in a heartbeat to pick them up. Of course. But yeah. I have them. Yeah. And I but I will say I think I'm now to the point where the likelihood of that happening is very low. It is extremely low. Especially in the area we live in, the probability of walking in and seeing like Power Blade 2 on the shelf is not probable. Close to zero. Yeah. So now I have to figure out what my approach is because really my approach was going to be go to Midwest Gaming Classic and get some of these heavy hitters, uh, but then that got canceled. Yes. So I might wait till then. I might just ride it out. That's another eight months, I guess, at this point. That's sure. m- March or May of next year. Yep, keeping Nine your fingers months. crossed. So if we have a convention and I can attend, I probably will think about doing that. Right. But I'm also like, well, you're really only 17 away now, okay? Yeah. So, but I don't like, I just don't like the idea of getting, oh, girl, let me just jump on eBay and buy this. You know, it's like, yep. I would like to, like I've got a line on Panic Restaurant locally, mm-hmm. but I have to like decide I'm going to go spend the money on it. Yeah, you know right. that's the bigger thing, which I I will at this point, but mm-hmm. it's just a matter of timing. Doing it, yeah, yeah. But but it's the the opportunities like that are going to present themselves present themselves very infrequently. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to figure out how I really want to do it because like yeah. the guy in the guy that I hooked up with that doesn't sound right. The guy I mm-hmm. met up with, <laughs> the guy I did business with. Yeah. Okay, that's not getting better. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you suggest? The man you made love to. <laughs> Listen, you don't know him like I know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he I was a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> Built bicycles together. That's right. But but those kinds of things are probably not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Where he, I have exhausted, and I, I I like him, and we are friends. But I have exhausted what I get from him for this collection yes. at this point. Unless he decides to let go of Ninja Gaiden Three, mm-hmm. which I don't anticipate that he will, and that's fine. I'm going to have to come up with somewhere else where I'm going to find some of this stuff. So Yeah, of course. Yeah. And and most of the local stores, like, if they had something to present to you at this point, it would have already been presented, you know. So. Now it's got to come through the door, and then they're going to be like, hey, this thing is here. Are yeah. you interested? Because they all know which ones I need. Of course. So it's fine. Yeah. So what are we talking about this week? We are talking about a game for the Super Nintendo console. We are talking about Super Metroid. 
That was a good one. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to talk about what I think. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's talk about that. Okay. What an interesting topic. What a <laughs> handsome looking video game. Yes. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a biggie. You know. Super Metroid is a biggie. Mm-hmm. And. We'll start with gameplay story, talk about background development, and then we're sure. going to get into the release, music, reception, all the things we talk. You know, where did it land on the Nintendo list, the Polygon list, Times list, those kind of things. That we, but what does Jeff Gertzman think? <laughs> Most importantly. That, I mean, really. And then, you know, we'll we'll talk at the end about the collecting, speed running, all that stuff. I will say, sure. and we'll get to it later, but this is one of the games that created speed running. Right. Like, it was... It's probably not totally fair to say. Like, people were doing this stuff and, and cheating back in the <laughs> 80s with things like Enduro or whatever it was. Where they're sure. Like, the guy, that one guy that, like, said, oh, I had this great time that could never be beat. Nobody could ever beat it. And then somebody, pro, like, did a tool-assisted speedrun of the game to determine what the fastest time possible would be. And it was faster than what he said for 25 years that it, he had done. Right. So, you know, but whatever. It was a bunch of uh, corruption in the <laughs> video game speedrunning industry or whatever. But really, it was one of the games that brought speedrunning to the forefront, and it really kind of created it as a, I don't know, like a job for some people. It's kind of sure. crazy. Yeah. But it, it's it's one of the most speedrun games of all time, And uh, but we'll get into all that stuff later about that. And then, uh, yeah, we'll just talk a little bit about the uh, the game itself. So hit me with some deets. What we got? Sure. So uh, Super Metroid is a 16-bit non-linear 2D platformer. Uh, Sounds boring. <laughs> it's it's a good it's a good type of game. Uh, so it's the Wizard of Oz. Uh, no, uh, it rewards curiosity uh, in the player and uh, you know uh, exploration. Meaning, if you have sort of a curious nature, you like to uh, you know see what's behind this door, see what's going on over here. Uh, it sort of rewards that. <laughs> the incorrigible protagonist, Samus Aran, intergalactic bounty hunter. Who, we're going to get into Samus's backstory a little bit because as I dug into this episode, it was weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, we all thought she was Dog, but really she was Beth. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this guy knows the score. <laughs> yeah. No. But anyway, so Super Metroid is, if, you, if you've ever turned the game on and played it, <laughs> one of the first things it says is Metroid 3. 1994. Right. right. Both accurate. But I always thought it was weird. I'm like, okay, is it Super Metroid or Metroid 3? Really, it's both. Really, but it's, it's both. Super Metroid. Yeah. And what I do like about it, it is truly a sequel to Metroid and Metroid 2 yep. for NES and, and for the Game Boy. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the backstory of all this. And I will warn anybody, not that anybody's listening, but I will warn anybody that is listening that hasn't played these games that are now... 30 plus years old or 26 years old in the, in, in the case of uh, Super Metroid that I will be getting into the spoilers of the game. So Jerry, if you don't want to hear it, just cover your ears. <gasps> <laughs> but I'm going to start with the backstory of Samus Aran first. Okay. And then we'll talk about the three games and, and what we were leading to and what this game kind of delivers. So Samus Aran, <laughs> I found this on Metroid.Fandom.com or Wikitroid. I mm. like Metroid.Fandom.com better. Yeah, Wikitroid. It's it's uh, let's let's not let's not let's not do it's that. The dark web address. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. You can get uh, an ounce and Metroid facts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Samus Aran, the daughter of Rodney Aran and Virginia Aran. Huh. 
She lost her parents during a space pirate raid on her home of K-2L. That old chestnut. You've heard of K-2L? Yeah. They uh, made those uh, those records in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Later, I like how it just says ambiguously later. Mm-hmm. Like her parents were killed by a space pirate raid. Then later. Later on. Yeah. So that afternoon. Uh, many, yeah, that afternoon we went to, we moved to America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> later. Samus was adopted by the mysterious Chozo and was taken to Zebus, where she was infused with their DNA and raised to become a warrior. Now, first of all, this sounds like praying gay away to me. Mm-hmm. Infused with their DNA? Yeah. Chozos, I found out... This is weird. Okay, so the statues in this game that give you the items, those are Chozo. Oh. Those are the Chozo, and they're like this bird-like people. Okay. They are the ones who created... Metroids and Mother Brain. Weird. Yeah. So Chozo is like, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And plus they adopted Samus. So anyway, once she reached adulthood, Samus joined the Federation police and served under the commanding officer, Adam Malkovich. This seems like extraneous information. Like it's completely it's, superfluous. It's quite a bit of information. It's not. Yeah. The, the, the fact that you know who she was reporting to, I'm not, <laughs> not totally sure why it's relevant. That's fine though. Though she ultimately left to become a bounty hunter, she was nonetheless hired by the Galactic Federation on many occasions. In fact, I believe this would be one of them, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I believe the games so, are all probably one of them, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, kind of, it's all whatever. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the, the, the two stories leading to Super Metroid and the Metroid itself. So Metroid itself, 1986... You know, it's a classic, mm-hmm. I think. It's, yeah. It was a fantastic game. I think game. it's one of the main titles that people associate with Nintendo. Yeah. Right up there with Mega Man or, you know, anything yeah. else. I, I would agree. Yep. Samus travels to the caverns of the planet Zebus. Zebus. Sorry. I always want to say Zebes. I always said Zebes. Zebes. Yeah. But it's Zebus. To stop the space pirates, which at the time there were only two. Hmm. It was, uh, I believe, Craig and Ridley. Would have been a good time pirates. to stop them, huh? Yeah. It was good. Yeah. From exploiting the parasitic organisms known as Metroids for galactic domination. She confronts the cybernetic life form Mother Brain as well as its guardians, Kraid and Ridley. Yeah, that's pretty much how that goes. Okay. Metroid 2, Return of Samus. This is on Game Boy. The Galactic Federation deems the Metroid species too dangerous to exist, and after their own failed attempts, employs Samus to travel to the Metroid homeworld SR388 and exterminate the entire species. That's genocide. Yeah, well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you're exterminating an entire, they need to defund the Galactic Federation. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) like they've gone. That's a bridge too far, my friend. Yeah, but you know what? You know what I would say about that? Not nice. Yeah, that's not nice. Not nice. After killing every Metroid, among them Alpha, Gamma, Zeta, and Omega Metroids, and the Queen Metroid. Samus finds an unhatched egg behind the Queen Metroid's chamber. Mm-hmm. Before Samus fires on the Metroid egg, an infant Metroid hatches and believes Samus to be his, its mother. After it helps her escape back to her ship, Samus hands the hatchling over to the Ceres Research Station for study. That is where Super Metroid comes in. A story as old as time itself. <laughs> That's right. Really, I think it's about Ewoks who live on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> So, Super Metroid. Again, spoiler alert. You want to hear about Super Metroid, the story, or how it all goes, then don't listen. I know you're not listening anyway, so you're not hearing this, so you're always worried. (laughs) But don't listen for like the next, I don't know, 45 seconds. Here we go. Maybe two minutes. Whatever. Skip ahead. 
Or just turn it off. Don't turn it off. <laughs> really blowing it, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blow the sail, Gil. I'm choking. I'm choking. I'm freezing out. <laughs> just after she leaves, Samus receives a, receives a distress signal from the Cirrus Research Lab. She returns just in time to catch Ridley stealing the hatchling, having killed all the scientists. She follows Ridley to a rebuilt base on Zebus, where the space pirates are once again attempting to clone the Metroids and use them as weapons. Samus kills the reborn versions of Ridley and Kraid, as well as new guardians Fantoon and Dragon, then confronts Mother Brain once again. Samus is nearly killed in the battle, but the Metroid hatchling, now having grown immensely, rescues her. Mother Brain kills it just after it restores Samus's energy, and Samus in turn destroys Mother Brain with a supercharged weapon known as the Hyper Beam, apparently left by the hatchling's death. She then escapes Zebus during a countdown that leads to the entire planet exploding, taking with it the few remaining cloned Metroids. My favorite part is where she has to uh, fight uh, Dra- Dragon and Brocktoon. Brocktoon, yes. No, that is code. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, we see each other listen, in a strange place. Now I know that you know what I know. Yes. Yes. It's this is. This is some secret society shit right here. It is indeed. So, yeah, man, this game, when you first turn it on, there were a lot of things about this game I found very interesting as it it relates to game play, right? But a lot of that stuff is like, the very the first part of the game is three minutes long. It's like basically a bunch of cutscenes and reading. Yeah. You... I won't say you never got that because... <laughs> you didn't often get that. No, but I just started to play Uncharted Waters on the NES, mm-hmm. which is like this horrible like role-playing-y type adventure pirate Koei. It's a Puck Koei game. Okay. Who did like uh, Nobunaga's Ambition and like a mm-hmm. Emperor, I think they did. I can't remember if they did or not, but a lot of like weird time piece, whatever. But Uncharted Waters is like this whole lead-in. And I'm like, man... You're telling a lot of like I just sat down. There's a lot going on here, but yeah. But what I think was interesting is how it presents it. Is there are like cutscenes. There are like little clips of him, you know, discovering the baby Metroid and it mm-hmm. swims around him, and you know all the like going through and destroying Mother Brain the first time in like mm-hmm. updated 16-bit graphics. It's really cool. Yeah, not like you said. Not certainly the first time it was uh, done, but one of the first times it was done well. It was, and it was certainly one of the first times I remember in a, in a game like this mm-hmm. that it did something like that. Like, there were other games, like I said, but this one was like, wow, there's, like, little mini movies about what happened. Like, I know this. I remember this. I mm-hmm. did this, like, years ago. So, but anyway. So that's the backstory. Um, some of the things I found interesting about the game uh, from a gameplay perspective uh, as it relates to prior Metroid games is this game had a map. Yes, which okay. was very helpful. It was cool. And I'll tell you, it's it's helpful, but that did not preclude me from getting on my laptop and pulling up a map at the same time and being <laughs> like, how the fuck do I get there? I know there's a thing in there. I can see it. Mm-hmm. I have no concept. I've played this game a million times. I don't even know how to get to it. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting was, I think we talked about this in the Zelda episode, when I was playing Metroid, Harrison was down there. And I beat Metroid in like an hour at one point. And he's right. like, how did you do that? How do you know where all this stuff is? How did you know that? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it was like... 
It's a great question because there was no map. Now, there was a map in my book. There was a map in Nintendo Power, Mm -hmm. but there was no in-game map, and this game provided that, and I thought that that was really interesting. You could see where you had been, where the save rooms were, which is another cool feature that you got with this where you no longer had to worry about the horrible, long password that Metroid had that had zeros and O's and L's and 1's and (laughs) I's, and I'm like, I, I... cannot tell you how many times I would get far in that game, write the password down, try to put it in, and it wouldn't work. Oh, yeah. That, to me, was worse than, like, if a battery went bad or you lost something, because I'm like, at least that, I'm like, whatever. This, I'm like, I just wrote it down wrong because you guys are assholes. Yeah, well, a lot of the characters, uh, you know, how they were how they were displayed on an NES or a Game Boy, even, um, they weren't exactly distinct from one another. Impossible to discern yeah. the zero from the O or the one yeah. from the I. Yeah, I remember several times writing down codes for, say, this, or maybe even punch out, um, where I made a note to myself, not sure, zero or O. Yeah. You know? Yep. Like Short name, mark. Kip or Ned. Yeah. Short mm-hmm. name, Kip or Ned. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And then items. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of items, suits, etc. in this game. Yes. There's the old items and there's the new items, right? And then the old items being games that had shown up prior, right? Like I will say prior, I will say in Metroid One, because I didn't I didn't really play a lot of Metroid Two. I'm not a big Game Boy portable gamer right, guy. Right, right. So this list as I as I read it is relative to the changes between Metroid One and Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. So old items that you can get in this game, which are in some of the same places. Right? Uh, morph ball bombs, energy tanks, missiles, the high yep. jump boots, ice beam, wave beam, the various suit or various suit, however you say it, and then screw mm-hmm. attack, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the new items, there were a lot, man. Like, yeah. The, the, and there were some cool things like the spring ball where you could, like, jump as a ball. Like, you could go into, like, um, um, you could morph into a ball, like you know, you roll around yep, as a ball, yep. but you could jump like that. Right. That right. was that was super cool, and that was a lot of fun. But yeah. The X-ray visor. I never really used the X-ray visor because I just use a map. Sure. <laughs> I, I will say so. My experience with this game is a lot different than your personal experience with it. Um, I had never played Super Metroid um, before we did this. We, we were a Genesis household, so we were an NES household up to the point um, that we bought a 16-bit console. But I believe, was the Genesis released before the Super Nintendo? Had to have been, right? Get out. So no. <laughs> Yes, it so, was. So we did not have a Super Nintendo in our house until many years later. Yeah. And at that point, you know, I wasn't buying games as actively. Like, we had that, but we also had a next-gen console. Um, so we had a lot more Genesis games than we had Super Nintendo games. And I just had never played Super Metroid until now. I can't wait to hear what you thought about it. Yeah, we'll get no, there. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk. So, but that's just a little bit about the gameplay, the story, mm-hmm. and some of the items and some of the stuff. Yeah. Oh, and I, I was going to mention, um, yeah. I did enjoy the uh, familiarity. You know, um, I, I remember, you know, the that opening sequence um, from the original, you know, NES Metroid, um, and like going over and getting the, uh, gosh, that first the morph ball. Yep. And uh, you know, just like doing that again to start the game, it was it was comforting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Enough. It's a good way. Yeah. One of the things good I realized. Lead in. One of the things I like about this game is it's very good at giving you hints about what you need to do next. Yep. So, like, hey, you don't have the power bombs yet, but guess what's around you? A bunch of places you need to power bomb. Of course. So maybe you start yep. need to dig and start digging around for where the power bomb might be. Yep. Right. Or when you get the. Um, the speed booster, right? Where yep. you can run like super fast through through shit. Yeah, you might need to use this. Yeah. Hey, real quick. You you just came from a thing where you could have used it 
And as soon as you walk out, you're going to have to use it. So be ready. You can run. You've always been able to run, but now you can run faster. Right. Yeah. So it's really good at like um, putting you kind of on a leash and leading you in the right direction, but not not forcing it. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to learn how to do this, yeah. but here's how to learn how to do it. I would tend to agree. Yep. Okay. So a little bit about background. Not even a little bit. I'm sure there'd be quite a bit about background and development. So it was developed by Nintendo R&D One, which is a... Um, powerhouse would be a good way to put it about you know the things that r&d one has done and and, and all that stuff i won't i won't belabor this with that but sure so basically there were three main people involved in the writing directing producing and development of the game those were um yoshio sakamoto okay he's the writer and director he was also involved in the game design for kid icarus a lot of these guys you'll see that there's a lot of overlap because they were all on the same team, they worked together. They had similar ideas. I always felt like, um, but they, you know, they worked together in Kid Icarus, and he was the uh, director and writer for uh, like Metroid Fusion, Zero Mission, Other M, and then <laughs> the designer for Wrecking Crew, Gumshoe, and what's that one say right below it? Balloon Fight, <laughs> the greatest NES game of all time. Which I think we've mentioned on all three episodes. Well, I'm going to change it to Balloon Fight Network, so... Yeah. Is yeah. that is that okay? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no one's listening anyway. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you can't say goddamn on the air. <laughs> oh, the hell with it. Yeah. Um, okay, and then Makoto Kano, or Kano, I don't know, whatever. Producer, and he was also the concept designer for Kid Icarus and Metroid. Mm-hmm. And then Gunpei Yokoi, ever heard of him? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's done a lot. So Gunpei Yokoi... Managed the development of Metroid, Super Metroid. He also designed a number of things. You want to kind of go through the list here? Well, I should sure. say, he also produced Kid Icarus. So, you know, they're all involved in the process of creating Kid Icarus and mm-hmm. Metroid and blah, blah, blah. But let's let's go over his, um, his greatest hits, if you will. Well, I, I like to think of this as a greatest hits and misses list because there are some pretty big deal uh, hits here. But also a couple of things that are considered some of the biggest swing and misses ever for the NES Look, or the Nintendo uh, company in general. He is the Rob Deere of NES. Yeah, yeah. It's either going to go 240 with 40 home runs. Yes, it's either going to go 450 feet out or 18 inches behind him. Yeah, (laughs) the end. Sorry. So some some giant gigantic (laughs) (laughs) home runs here. Yeah. He designed the D pad. Yeah. Which is a the, big deal. The plus, they call the plus of the yeah. directional pad. Yes, yeah. he, he designed the D-pad for playing video games. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, it's like uh, designing the flux capacitor. It yeah. makes the thing possible. He, he invented bread, yeah. everybody. It's pretty good. <laughs> everybody um, has bread. Yeah. you got to have yeah. bread. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, also, the Game Boy, uh, which was a huge hit, yep. uh, was the first uh, portable uh, you know, Nintendo device in a... A, really a good system, you know, uh, for what it was at the time. Gigantic. Yeah, it was a brick. You could you could probably knock somebody over the head with it, like a, like an old LJN uh, wrestling, you know, figure. Yep. Really, really knock out your room. Why would you it. hit your figures with a Game Boy? I don't know. Did the Game Boy turn heel or something? Well, the Iron Sheik was getting, you know, sassing it. So um, now I think we need like a stop it motion yeah, animation yeah. of this. But you have all the toys and I have the Game Boy. Yeah, we could get them together. We could do this. Yeah. That would be, a, um, I'd watch it. Also uh, developed the uh, Virtual Boy, which... Uh, so now we're trending away from the home run. To put nicely, uh, sucks. It's, uh, it's one of the absolute worst video game systems I've ever played. I honestly would rather play like a Tiger Electronic handheld. Uh, the Virtual Boy, uh, for those unacquainted, um, you kind of put your uh, 
face into this um, set of goggles, which was kind of like, uh, you know, if you're looking out over a body of water somewhere and you have to put a quarter in to see across, kind of like that type of setup. And uh, the graphics were uh, just sort of a series of uh, red polygons uh, spread out over a black background. Just not a good system. Okay, sure. I see where you're going with that. Okay. But what if you love darkness and, like, red lava? Well, I don't know what to tell you. That <laughs> This would be the system for you. Yeah, though, I, I, guess, I guess this would be your guy. You're the target market. Yep. Uh, the other, you know, uh, big thing that kind of sticks with me that he developed is Rob. Who, yeah. Uh, he was the robot that came with the... Uh, Robotic the, operating buddy. Right. He, he came with the initial launch of uh, the NES uh, that my, my dad went out and bought, I believe, in 1987. As uh, the gaming historian, I believe I said this even once before, the gaming historian so eloquently put it, the Trojan horse... Of video games. Yes. Because at the time, robots were so huge with, you know, Voltron and Transformers, yes. and they were the video it's game what market. It made the was, Nintendo an entertainment yeah. system. Yes, yes. Not it a was, video game. Yep. And they were very careful to not say video game anywhere on the box, and they yep. sold it, and people wanted the robot, and they yep. found out the robot was trash, but the game's really good. Yes, exactly. So ultimately, it he was, worked. Yeah, he was absolutely the Trojan horse. You were supposed to use him as the second player in the game Gyromite. Um, it sucked. It was horrible to try to use Rob at all. Um, you could just have your friend hold B. It was much easier, or or just auto, <laughs> or if you're you like know. me, had no friend, use your foot. Yeah, I mean, it just it just was not uh, not great. I would much prefer to play Gyromite even without him. So, um, not great. You know, I I would say that maybe a swing and miss, but effective. It, it might did, not it have, did what it needed to do. In theory, poor execution, good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then yeah, he also did the Game and Watch, which was a series of like handhelds that you could purchase like in the early uh, '80s. You know, they themed around mm-hmm. Mario, Zelda, sure, all that sure. stuff. And actually, they're putting out a new Game and Watch for Super Mario's 35th anniversary, and they come out in November. I might have to get one. The guy at the store in Bowling Green said he had one the of the original. The guy at the store told well, the, me I needed no, one. No, the guy, the guy at the <laughs> funny story. It all ties to this because he said, "Hey, I need." a stand and a battery pack for a virtual boy and i said well i know where i could get just those pieces and i know you don't want to pay like lift because it costs a hundred dollars for an oem stand for the virtual boy Dear Lord. you want to buy an OEM? you can buy replacements but if you want the real one it's a hundred yeah. bucks go buy one nowadays what about an omd stand that would be less i hope an orchestral movements in the dark stand. i thought you your... were talking about um the guy that did how bizarre yeah sure it's not him no that's a different guy that's also initials, I think. OMC, maybe? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. Run OMC? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was that team the Warriors had in the yeah. 80s. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so he actually has a, a Mario game and watch. And last time I was in there, he said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting rid of it. And I'm like, bring it in. Yeah, that but might be, a, we can might be a nice swap. little trade there. But anyway, so. So w- w- explain well, this to me. What is the Bandai Wonder Swan? <laughs> So this, the, give it to me straight. Essentially, it is a 16-bit handheld that was to be a competitor to Game Boy Color or the Neo Geo Pocket Color. Okay, um, and it was fine. Bandai was obviously a developer for Nintendo. They yeah. made their own games. It was a fine thing, and people do collect it, and they're they yeah. are out there. It 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 just was not um, a gigantic hit. Did Oasis least here. do the uh, music for the commercial? <laughs> Thinking back to the tune of Wonderwall. Anyway, brother, 
Here's the Wonder Swan. Anyway, brother, here's the Wonder Swan. And now we My have to, Now I got to create. Now I got to create a meme of like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Handing with yeah. the guitar, but in his hand he has a yeah. Wonder Swan. He's giving it to anyway, somebody. Brother. Yeah, anyway, brother. Here's here's Wonder here's Swan. Here's Wonder Swan. Yeah. The, the tragic story of Gunpei Yokoi is he left Nintendo after the Virtual Boy disaster, mm. and you know how they say, look. You're not fired, but you don't work here anymore. Yeah. You have to, like, you want to leave on your own accord, you can. Yeah. But if you don't, we're going to tell you to leave. I don't know if that's what happened, but I think that's what everybody perceived to happen. Now, you know, the spin nowadays, oh, he was going to retire when he was 50, but then all of a sudden he was 57 and he waited and blah, blah, blah. So I think he was probably sad that it went poorly. And, mm-hmm. you know, to his to his credit, it wasn't all his fault. That's It was not all his fault. Sure. But, it's but, never one person. So fault. he he yeah. left and went to one went to Bandai to help with the Wonder Swan. But the real tragic part is, I, I <laughs> it's going to get a little grim here. Okay. Uh-oh. But when you say greatest hits, it's probably not the best way to describe, describe Gunpei Yokoi. Because he was killed in an auto accident where he had oh, gotten geez. into an auto accident, gotten out of his car, and someone hit him while they were trying to look at their car. Oh, that's horrible. At like 57 years of age. So, yeah, it was... Right a, after he retired? He retired, went to Bandai, did that stuff, and then not long later, not long oh, after. Man. And I will also say this. Of all the people that we've talked about on this show from a development perspective as it relates to Nintendo, mm-hmm. he's the only one that doesn't work there still. Wow. Because even Makoto Kano and Yoshiro Sakamoto, both of those still guys still work there. One of them has worked there for like 50 years, like since 1974. And I'm like, oh my God, retire, dude. You almost wonder if he would have found his way back eventually. Yeah. You know? Like, let him go off and do his thing, and then uh-huh. we'll have the reunion tour. Sure. Virtual Boy 2. Yep. Alive. Yeah. Yes. It'll be a double live Virtual Boy. Yeah. And then I, I, th- I had to throw in here just because... In the beginning of Metroid, there is a scene that is narrated. I always thought it was a computer-generated voice. Mm-hmm. It says, the last Metroid is in captivity, the galaxy is at peace. Right? Right. Come to find out, no, that was a guy. And that guy worked at Nintendo of America. That guy's name was Dan Osen. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And he's from Detroit. So he's Very a Michigan cool. guy. Yeah. And he also did the same kind of voice work for Star Fox and Zelda Link to the Past and Earthbound and all that stuff. But okay. I just thought it was interesting. So for all these years, I thought that was like a generated thing. But no, it was actually somebody talking and sampled down and all that stuff. So I had to just uh, toss that in there. So Shout out to Dan Olson. Yeah. Dan, if you're listening, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Great buddy. Job. Yeah. Way to represent. A plus. Yep. All right. Well, what do you got? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about when the game was released. Uh, it was released first in Japan, uh, right around March 19th of 1994. Around March 19th or on March 19th? Well. Because I will tell you one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone says, oh, it's around 527 apples. No, it's exactly 527. Why are you, like, qualifying it? Well, because Own we it, talked Jerry. about this before. Be direct. <laughs> we Be- talked about this before the show, and I said no. <laughs> Because release dates are not an exact science. But in this case, they are. Okay. Every place I look, these are the dates. Okay. Okay. Uh, Maybe. For, for the, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly what I know. I I'm kidding. That. I'm kidding. 
So uh, for North America, just about a month later there, uh, April 18th of 1994, and actually not that far uh, long after in the EU, uh, right around uh, the end of July 1994. So they got got the game just a couple months after. This is more in line with the norm of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas like Japan, North America, Europe. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes Japan and North America than Europe. Sure. But rarely Japan than Europe or North America. And never Europe than Japan and North America. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> yeah. They've been chasing their tail since 1776. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you guys over there. Yes. Enjoy please, your SNESs. Yeah. Please please leave us a five-star review. We love you. <laughs> yes. Very much. Our listener in Poland. Shout out. Yeah. So what's up, Poland? Yeah. We love you. We have We got one. We got one. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. All right, I want to talk about the music and sound effects a little bit in this game because, man. Great music. It might be my favorite part of the whole game. I love this game, okay, and we'll get into my feelings about it in a bit, but the music to this game is not even really music, okay? And I want to talk a little bit about who did it and what they've done and then kind of where I think what I think about it, and I'm sure we can discuss it at, at length. So Kenji Yamamoto and Minako Hamano. Hamamano. Is that right? Hamano. I think it's Hama... Hamano. (laughs) How am I not going to work here anymore? (laughs) No. Kenji, Yakamoto, and Minoko Hamano. Hamano. And then, so, Yamamoto is known for doing work with the Metroid series, starting with Super Metroid. Mm -hmm. He did the music for Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! Which was, if I'm not mistaken, a play on the... Gillette cavalcade of sports, like TV <laughs> shorts that they used to run mm-hmm. years and like in the 30s or 40s. It was sure. like one of those like short films you'd see before you saw a movie. Yeah. You know, the shit we see in The Simpsons. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, my shirt fell off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like we era Donkey Kong and Smash games. Yeah. So good, good resume, good music for all yep. those games, I would say. And then Hamano, um, her resume was Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening and then the DX remake of it or whatever, how you want to look at that. Mm-hmm. And then the Metroid series again, starting with Super Metroid and other things, but it was really the, the main things that you'd probably yeah. be familiar with. Yeah, those are both great. And a, a lot of what's in this is 16-bit versions of music from the first two games, yep. right? And I, you certainly, like you said, that gives you that familiarity, like that comfort mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I know that. Like you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I know this. Um, the way I would, I, I've got a few words in here that kind of explain how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And you tell me if you, how you, like, if you agree or disagree, it's fine. But ethereal. Yep. Right? I hate that word, but it's so <laughs> applicable here. It's, because yeah, generally it it's some douchebag using it. But I'm like, it's too right for this. It is. Yeah. It's that, like, ambient. Mm-hmm. Right? Atmospheric. It, it's, it is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's almost like less spooky Aphex Twin music. Yeah. Is how I would almost... Brian Eno. It's, yeah. It's appropriate for a game taking place in space as well. You yep. know, it's, it's, it's perfect for its setting. I will it, say that. What I thought was interesting and I thought was a good point is Hirokazu Tanaka, who was like the father of chiptunes, he did the first Metroid. And one of the things he said about the first Metroid is when he made the score for it, he wanted people to feel like they were encountering what he called a living organism. And it had no distinction between the music and the sound effects, right? He wanted it to be a part of that game yeah. and that it, you couldn't, is this, is this like a, and I get that. Like it's, it, it's kind of, it, I think that I also read at one point that they said they really didn't want it to be like a jingle or something you would hum. It was just this thing that you felt. 
Yes. And I thought that that was a very apt way to put it, you know, because one of the things I have here, too, is it said, you know, it contributes hev- heavily to the atmosphere and immersiveness of the game. It re- that's my own personal words and feeling. It, you go into a level and you know what level you're in, right? Yeah. You, you, it, it's just this pulse. It's almost like the walls are alive type mm-hmm. feeling. And uh, I just love it. Like some of them I like better than others. And I think my own personal favorite, I have it on here, is the, if you go to YouTube and just Google like Super Metroid soundtrack, there's a whole list of all the tracks and where they're played and all mm-hmm. that. And the Brinstar, Brinstar Underground Depths is my favorite. It's, it's amazing. Jerry, put some of the music in right here. And that was it, folks. That's what it sounded like. Beautiful. It is. Beautiful music. I love it. I just, I really do. I love it. And that that particular stage, I just, I almost want to hang out in Brinstar just Mm -hmm. so I can listen to the music. Like today, I was in that area and I I had paused the game and it was just playing the music in the background. I'm like, I'm just going to leave this on. I don't care. I want to hear it. It I just, I really like it. So I don't know. Yeah. It just, I get that. Yeah. And I got to say, I think that the sound contributes to that, too. Like, this may be the most uh, soothing uh, weapon noise I've ever heard. Yeah. Just the, just the general... Um, the softness. Know. Yeah, it is. It's like a note being played on, like you said, on, yeah. on this sort of like atmospheric, like ambient score. So The soft sounds of freezing and destroying enemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The smooth jazz that is the you know the 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 whatever wave beam. All right, well let's talk about uh you know that's that's you know a little bit about the music and sound effects and I could sit here probably all day and talk about that. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, th- I know that they released a CD of this at one point I believe yeah. in Japan and it's it's exorbitantly expensive. Sure. I, I would think this would be primed for like a vinyl reissue. I mean there are so many old video games getting that treatment right now. Why do you think it hasn't though? Oh, sure, it's licensing, right? Because Nintendo owns it. I'm sure yeah. is why. Yeah. You can get away with like well, Alien Crush or even Castlevania. Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of these video game soundtracks coming out now are bootlegs anyway. 
Sure. Somebody will do it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. It'll be, it'll be pressed in the EU. Maybe it'll be us. Yeah. No, let's... We'll, let's no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll talk to Jack White. He's got that He's got that plant down in Detroit now. Yeah, right. No. I, I know the illegal plant. We'll talk We'll talk later. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You got the end. Yeah. I mean... uh, Nothing. Moving on. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about the reception of the game Jerry. Okay. Well... This is the 33rd best-selling Super Nintendo cartridge of all time, with 1.42 million copies sold. Um, so, before you go on. Yeah. Is that surprising to you? I would think it would be a little higher on the list. I will say this. I didn't have it. And I will say there were just other games that I thought there was more of a sense of urgency to have when I got my Nintendo, my Super Nintendo for some mm-hmm. reason. And I don't know why I never had Super Metroid. So I don't, like, I don't remember seeing ads for it. I don't, like, it does surprise me a little bit that it is that, and, and mind you, it sold over a million copies. But I will it's say like this. It's not it wasn't a success. No. I'm just a little surprised it's that low. I, I will say this. The, the number surprised me a little bit. What yeah. I thought was more surprising is the next line in our notes here of sure. what sold more now these were not ton a ton more but they were higher than 33 on the list there's a few few examples we go ahead read those and give me your thoughts on that uh final fight uh we've got mortal kombat 2 super scope 6 and aladdin now to me reading that list there's only one of these that is really surprising which one do you think it is Super Scope 6. Yeah. Now, uh, see if my theory for this is correct. Was that a pack-in with the uh, gun accessory that the came out at The shoulder rocket launcher yeah. gun? Was it? Yes. Okay, that's why. Okay. So it doesn't but really surprise still. me. Yeah. No. Mortal Kombat, the Mortal Kombat franchise was huge. That I would agree. Of all of them? Yeah. Like Aladdin, okay, maybe. Super Scope, I don't get it. Whatever. Was Mortal Kombat 3? Yes. Final Fight? Really? It's, it's Final Fight sold more? Final, yeah. Now now knowing that Super Scope was packed in with the gun, um, I would say that would be the one that would stick but, out to me most. But, but that I, means I they know. sold more guns than they sold Super Metroid. Yeah, people like that crap. Where are they all, though? <laughs> I can find Super Metroid. I can't find any guns. Yeah, I, well, I mean, guess I, most, a lot of them got trashed. I don't know. Probably yeah. they suck. Yeah, like <laughs> people threw those things away. Yeah, well, you know. I don't know. I just found it interesting, and it kind of Aladdin. Me to, I get to just because yeah. Aladdin would have had like you know crazy it's a crazy marketing, IP, huge like, hype. Yes, yeah, and it just would have had a, a huge crossover audience. I I as I went through this, and I, I I read up on the game and everything kind of around it, and how like you said, it kind of what like I, I always I just get the feeling that Metroid is kind of the redheaded stepchild of. And not to the point of Kid Icarus, which is just like yeah. Nintendo's bitch that they yes. never... They're like, we'll let you out of the cage when we want you out of the cage, okay? Yeah. Which is never. Yeah. But Metroid was just like this game that, like, I don't think it's huge with Japanese audiences. Okay. So I'll start there. Well, it's a big part of the market. Yeah. So. It, but I'm just saying, like, I, I, I'm that's a speculative thing. Mm-hmm. I I just... It's one of my favorite things. I, I you know, but... But I just, I, it's not everybody's, I guess. And I can see sure. why. Like, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of investigating that's got to go on. There's a lot of uh, bullshit that you got to put up with. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. All right. That being said, I don't know. There's not, I wouldn't say there's a huge, um, 
barrier to playing. I think you could be like a kid learning to play video games and step into a Metroid game. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, you would be lost in five minutes and have no idea how to get those rockets yes, that you see. But you could be guided through a Metroid game. Yeah. 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 Perhaps with a map or some sort of resident expert. Yeah, someone standing behind you. Yeah. All right. Now, have you put up the next page? Hide the next page. Don't look at it. Yeah, Turn it over. It. Yeah. Turn it over. Don't look at it. Top quiz time. You ready? Okay. I know you looked at it. I did. Yeah. God damn it. Pretend you didn't. Okay. Number six. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you about that one. Well, it's memorized at this point. Sorry. All right. Fine. Read it. <laughs> So, uh, dur- a Nintendo- no, you quiz me. <laughs> you wrote these notes. I know. <laughs> a Nintendo Power Top 100 list in their 100th issue, September of 97, um, ranked this as the number six overall game. Once again, a bit Nintendo-centric. This was in Nintendo Power Magazine. That was only three years after it came out. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, number six, that's still pretty impressive. Um, in an updated list, uh, in the 200th issue in February of 2006, Nintendo Power still ranked it number 12 overall. So if you really look at it, the math works out. Yeah. I just sat here and thought to myself, well, it's twice as many games. It's the yeah. twice, double the, yeah, number 12, that, that makes sense. Yep. Double the, double the fun, as yeah. they say. Nobody says that. Well, Double Men does. Do they still say it? I don't know. Maybe. Who can say? I think it's pretty easy to figure out. Yeah, probably. I'll get the Wrigley people on the phone. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, on the Time Top 50 Games of All uh, Times list released in 2016, it was not ranked. Um, a couple of games uh, that were ranked on that list that we can talk about a little bit. From uh, Super Nintendo. From, yeah, that were Super Nintendo titles. Uh, Super Mario Kart was listed at number 33, and Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III, depending on how you look at it. Uh, was was uh, number 12 on that list. Now, I'm going to tell you, and it says right here, that list was very p- PC game-centric, and sure. it was very modern-heavy. Like, it did not have a lot of games older than, like, Nintendo 64, or even, like, older than... It was just, I don't know. I I, I really looked at that list closely this time, and I was like, this game is, like... Full of Diablo twos and right. like stuff like, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it was just like those lists are always um, heavily swayed by who is writing them, and I'm sure there were a lot of PC gamers. Probably I'm sure it was completely unbiased poll that was just conducted like when, by time readers. Just, just like when Nintendo Power releases their list, completely unbiased. It's the it's but the, there are no Sega games anywhere on any of it. Yeah, we're Sonic. He's yeah. on the Sega list. Don't he ever say exist. that name around here again. Yeah. Yeah. San who? Yeah. You mean Horisan. Yes. On the Polygon Best 500 Games of All Time, released in 2017, I'd say this is a pretty darn impressive finish. Yeah. It is number 10 on this list. Yep. Uh, sandwiched between Street Fighter 2 at number 9 and Final Fantasy 6 slash 3 at number 11. What I thought was interesting about that is every time I looked at one of these lists, and it didn't matter who made it, Final Fantasy 3 made it. Yeah, I kept looking at it. Like that, there were other lists I did not include here. Yep. You know, whatever. And I'm like, man, everywhere I look is this game. I love that game. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. But I just like, I don't know. Just like every time I looked, I'm like, oh, yeah. Final Fantasy. Like they're always right by each other. Right. 
And the Final Fantasy, to clarify the 6 and 3 thing, so Final Fantasy 6 is known as Final Fantasy 3 so for the SNES, yes. but it's Final Fantasy 6 in Japan. Yeah, right? I believe it is 4 is 2 and 6 is 3, and we did not yeah. get 2 and 3 or 5 here. Right. Right. right, and you can still only play those through like an emulator or Famicom or. I believe that they did get translated and released in like things, but I I went and made like my own NES cart of two. There's fan translations out there that you, you could. Would. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't envy me for that, folks. It was, it's it's. I, I'm sad I even brought it up, honestly, yeah. at this point. Yeah. But no, like there are ROM hacks and IPS patches that you can take to the original ROM to translate it. Yes. Right. So, uh, but yeah. And that was on the NES, actually. So, like, uh, Final Fantasy II, the original Final Fantasy II was on NES. And right. I think 3 was 2, 4 was the first one, I think. I have to, I have to look. I don't remember. Yeah. All right. So, let's talk about Gertzman. Yeah, your boy. Still no response. Yeah. Well, I feel like I don't know if I should keep bothering him, but I will. Probably not. I but, probably shouldn't, ahead. but that won't stop me. <laughs> I will tell you, I did a little research, though. Okay. And what I found out is that, in general, Jeff Gertzman liked Metroid, the NES game. Mm-hmm. And that he felt like Super Metroid was too short which he got lambasted for by a bunch of nerds on the internet 15 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like looking up all this old stuff. And I'll tell you, like I got some of this uh, information about the backstory from his uh, website, Powerbomb, which is good. It was actually really good, concise. As a podcaster, I'm like, this is all the stuff I need. Yeah. Like I do my own research, but here's a lot of it. Just to clarify, we brought off Jeff Gertzman in the first place on our Legend of Zelda episode because of a strange... (laughs) He gave a... It was a, a seven point, review. Yeah, because it was it was a glowingly positive review that ended up with a seven point. What was it? Two. Seven point two score. Um, but the thing is, um, you know, he he's respected as a video game journalist and also somebody just like working in the industry. Um, so no no disrespect intended to him, but that's that's how he sort of uh, came into the show he, to begin. We with. we started the show with Legend of Zelda. I found his. Review to be a bit anomalous and yeah. contradictory. You were puzzled, and then ever since then, now I got to talk about him on every episode. So right. Jeff, please answer my messages. Your son <laughs> wants to talk to you. <laughs> okay, he loves you. He just wants to say hi. No, <laughs> but yeah, he he and I agree about this. He feels Metroid should be a two D and not a three D or FPS type game. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yep. So same page, me and Gertzman. Other than that, he won't talk to me. <laughs> He's on a page in a different book. And I can't blame him. Same page, different book. So, all right. It's Jerry's favorite part of the show where he gets in-depth into the different variants and boxes of versions of the game. My favorite part. Collecting Corner with (laughs) Jerry Crago. I call it Crago's Collectibles. (laughs) You know I don't collect these things. Crago Collectibles. I collect other things. I think you kind of want to collect these. No, I can't, I can't do it. I know. I'm the same way with, My, like... Yeah. 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 We've yeah. talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll talk. Okay. So we're going to talk about the versions of this game and uh, the price and, and how you get them, where you can play it, all that stuff. Yes. So at its core, there aren't that many, many versions of this game. There's the regular SNES version, and then there's the player's choice SNES version. But it always goes a little deeper than that, right? So as it relates to the standard version, not the player's choice, there is a made-in-Japan cartridge and a made-in-Mexico cartridge. 
Okay. Yep. And generally, the made in Japan cartridges are the earlier ones. The Mexico ones are of lower quality and were released released later. Sometimes with like black and white manuals. So if you ever see like a black and white manual, yep. Yep. that I've stuff was that. generally put out by a company called Majesco. Mm-hmm. So they licensed it, they put it out, and and all that. So people generally would want the made in Japan. And I just talked about the player's choice. That's the one that has like a little gold badge on it. Yes, and all that of course. Stuff. Yep. And again, those are generally also less desirable, even though they're certainly more. Com- or less common, they're going to be less desirable. Mm-hmm. And I have, as you as you look up, yes, there are two box variants, and this is only kind of a recent development. I think people have figured out is there is one that has an orange corner, and then there is one that has in the top right hand corner says only for Nintendo or yes. Super Nintendo, or yes. whatever, yeah. And there's one that has like an orange background to that in the um, corner, and then there's one that is black. Yeah, I think people generally think that the orange one is the harder one to find, but there nobody cares. Right, at this point. Doesn't really affect the price. Yeah, it doesn't, which we'll get into. So this, I thought, was peculiar. The standard version, either ver- either made in Japan or Mexico, because nobody really cares, but, but only super nerd collectors care. Like me. <laughs> the loose version of this game for just a standard release is like 40 bucks. Okay. Okay. So not the cheapest game. No. Okay. Especially when there's 1.42 million of them running around yeah, out there. you would think. But... It's reasonable, right? It's not It's not an absurd amount of money for a game. Mm-hmm. The player's choice version is 50 and it consistently mm-hmm. sells for more money. Just the loose version. Okay. Because when you look at it from a complete or boxed perspective, the standard version is like 175 give or take. Okay? Yes. That's right. complete in the box. You got the tray, the manual, and generally you'd like to see some of the pack-in stuff like the flyers and whatever. Sure. The player's choice version is $115 complete. So it's $10 more loose, but $60 less, less complete. complete. And really, as I've got here, the the completion, the condition, and the version, all it's sensitive to all those things. The nicer it is, the more money you can get for it. The the worst, you know, the worst condition the box or the cartridge is in, the less you're gonna get. I wish some people would tell us to people on like Craigslist. <laughs> like your shit's trashed. It's not worth market value. Right. No one's giving you forty dollars for a Super Metroid cartridge with no label on it. Right. Right. Or one that you wiped your butt with or something. Yeah. It has your name written in bright marker. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It says Ronaldo right on it. Mm-hmm. He's your favorite soccer guy. Yes. Yes. Football. If you're Football. in Poland. <laughs> and I know you're out there. Thank you. <laughs> but so the sealed graded world, which I don't live in, right? In July of 2020, a WADA 8.5, which is not a great grade, but a good grade, C+, because that's the grade of the seal, was uh, sold for $3,120. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for a video game. Mm-hmm. And then prior to that, in October of 2019, a WADA 9.6, which was an, it also had an A+, seal, sold for thirty three sixty. Now, I would bet you that they're worth even more than that right now. Considerably sure. more. Just because yeah. the if market... The, if the 8.5 went for 3120 more recently, yeah. you can bet you can, a yeah. 9.6 would might maybe bring 36, 37. I would bet over four, easily over $4,000. It's it's the whole market is wackadoodle. Yeah. So, but anyway, so that's a little bit about the collecting of the game. It's uh, not... Uh, unobtainium as they could be deemed it's certainly something that you would generally see in a used game store maybe not complete all the time although it does pop up and uh you know i don't think 40 bucks for the cartridge is too absurd considering the um the game itself which we really haven't gotten into uh, we probably should get into our own 
personal experience with the game. Yes. And then what we think about it. Sure. So I'll let you start. How do you... You'd never played this game before. I would love to hear your thoughts. Sure. So uh, I kind of mentioned very very shortly uh, towards the beginning of the podcast that I did enjoy the way that the game began, uh, sort of guiding you in using the, uh, you know, the same uh, or similar beginning t- uh, to the original Metroid. There's, there's an opening no, sequence. No, it didn't. Remember when you land on the moon and you fight yes, those? I was just going to address that, Michael. Calm down. <laughs> there's an opening sequence. But then after that... I was being facetious. <laughs> None of that happened. It was, it was very familiar. There's an opening sequence. But then after that, uh, you are on a platform that is very similar to the platform where you begin uh, the NES version. Um, and you're able to go over and get your first item and kind of start off the same way. Um, the gameplay was just, it was very fluid. It was very fun. Um, it did remind me of sort of a past, um, you know, feeling I got when I used to play like a new good game, um, which didn't come up, didn't really come about that often, uh, to be honest with you, uh, back in the day. Um, I, I really enjoyed myself. I would say I probably got, uh, up about halfway through the game, uh, playing it this week. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. Like, uh, it's it's one of those that if I was collecting retro games, I would have to have a copy of this. Yeah. Because it's it's good. And, like, it, what else are you looking for? Like, you're looking for a game on a 16-bit console. You are looking for a game that is still playable. Really. No, Jerry. You are looking for obscure games <laughs> that nobody played back in 1994. Some of those are good. <laughs> but... This people played, and it is actually also good. Like yeah. it's it's just a, it's a fun game. You know, there's a reason it's one of the flagship titles, and a reason why they had designers and uh, you know developers working on it that knew that they were, what they were doing. I I think it's fairly obvious to anybody that's listened to the last what hour you know hour that we've talked here. I'm a fan of this game. He's wearing a Super Metroid shirt. That is a lie. He uh, he's that guy. He wore the shirt of the game we're coming to talk about. <laughs> I want to say that I did it accidentally, mm-hmm. but I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. I think I actually. Uh, he walked know. into the office this morning and went Super Metroid, man. And then I popped my shirt like I just mm-hmm. had a game winning three. Yeah, I'm wearing a Pearl Jam shirt. I'm not seeing Pearl Jam tonight, sadly. Why not? Uh, coronavirus. You could see him on the internet. And time. Maybe you see him on the internet. That's true. Um, I'm going to watch the uh, Game 7, Celtics-Raptors. After that, who can say? Which position does uh, Mike McCready play? Uh, Mike McCready would, uh, my guess, be a shooting guard. If, uh, if he were on an NBA team. A bad one. Uh, oddly enough, Pearl Probably Jam, the worst one in the league. Yeah, oddly, yeah, well, definitely the worst one in the league. Oddly enough, Pearl Jam. Worse than Rondo? Huge NBA fans. <laughs> That's not odd. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, just odd that we were talking about it. And, yeah, you yeah. got it. Okay, fair. Two, two things kind of. The whole 10 Mookie. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I've, I've heard like recent interviews with them where they're talking about like uh, the NBA and how they are still big fans they go to a lot of games stuff like that but welcome back to pearl jam radio yeah 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 we All got the way news. way off topic there Probably but stone gossard and jeff the <laughs> dickhead of mint that nobody likes yeah mike's mike's harsh on the the pj guys no i like everybody but him <laughs> i like the rest of them ed you like ed yeah it's fine severinson ed eddie v yeah yeah he was good he was he died of cancer and that's the 
That's Dickie Lovano. Different guy. No, anyway. Yeah. No, I like I like Ed, Edward uh, Lewis Severinsen. Yeah. Yeah. I Ed, just don't Ed like that. Jeff Ament. It's fine. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, this is a great game. Um, I could definitely I, see spending more time with it. Like, I'll actually continue to play this and beat it. Uh, you know, I, and I don't have to. So, you know, it's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not a requirement. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to ever go back to Gradius and be like, oh, this is cool. Like, I really enjoyed never, this. I'll never do played this, again. this before. This is sick. Oh, yeah. But I'll go back and Badass. actually play Super Metroid. This is, I mean, this is a great game. I, yeah. yes, I love this game. Uh, funny story about this game is I, I had it when I was young. It was one that I held on to for a long time. I sold it eventually. I got it back. I now have like a boxed copy of it. Yep. I actually had two boxed copies for a period, and I, I just sold one. And I love, I do, I love this game. It's mm-hmm. it's probably in my top ten favorite games of all time, just because of the feel of the game and sure. the control of the game and the concept and just how how you play it. And I, I really love, I really love investigating, digging around, all that stuff. It. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than I really, I really enjoyed it. The one thing I will say is that during when we first went kind of lock on, on lockdown, one of the first things I said was, "Okay, you know, world's shutting down." I'd never beat this game. Mm-hmm. I had never because I beat Metroid because I played it a lot and I was a kid and I had a lot more time and I had a map mm-hmm. and I never once sat down with Metroid and said, "I'm going to figure this all out." Of course. So I did with the help of map. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot, there's a lot going on there, and it's yeah. tough. And I, I get it. There are a lot of people that that do know it, but they've had extensive experience playing it. But I sat down with a map, and I, I fought my way through. Unless I get stuck, I would go to the map, and I, I beat it. And it was it was great. And I loved how the game played. I loved how the game end and uh, the game ended. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I would rank it, you know, somewhere in my top ten favorite games of all time. Yeah. So I'm I'm certainly a huge proponent. So. With that being said, where could you play it nowadays, Jer? Uh, where, Jer? Several That's places. the name of this new segment. Uh, where, Jer? I don't want that to be a segment. You can play it on the SNES. You can play it on an SNES Classic. You can play it on the Virtual Console. Uh, like a Wii or Wii U Virtual Console. Of course, or, yep. yep. And then uh, you can play it where I played it, on the Nintendo Switch Online. Or if you're a dirty bootlegger, you can download the ROM and play it on your EverDrive or emulator on your PC. Like sure. SNES 9X or none of the mini SNES or SNES emulators. Mm-hmm. You dirty, dirty bootlegger. <laughs> uh, Speedrun. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm going to keep this brief because <clears throat> I really had to w- whittle this down. There are more... D- variants of a speed run and categories or however you want to put it for this game than any game I've ever looked at. Mm-hmm. And I basically went with the any percent, the 100 percent, and the any percent glitched. You okay? I'm just I'm having a it's fine. I'll yeah. I'll go th- I'll go through this real quick. Yeah. So I'll do it by myself. So the basically there are two different ways to calculate or time a speed run in Metroid. The original time the original way that it was timed was in game time because there is a game timer within the game that keeps track of how long you've played. And then there's the real time. Eventually, I believe now they've morphed to the real time because the game time seems to cap out. Like From what I could tell from all the records, they're all kind of the same. And they, I guess maybe they don't end in anything but zero, zero seconds or whatever it may be. So from an any percentage standpoint, the fastest anybody could beat this with, with no glitches, just any percent with no glitches... Uh, game time 27 minutes 
real time 40 minutes and 55 seconds, and that was by a speedrunner by the name of Zost, Z-O-A-S-T. The 100% category, which is getting, you know, everything in the game, that is 43 minutes of game time, 1 hour, 13 minutes, and 35 seconds of real time that was completed by a speedrunner named Behemoth87. And then the any percent glitched were the glitches of the game that you use to exploit and get to areas that you shouldn't, or the bugs that allow you to advance in a manner as such that you would not through normal gameplay. A game time of 7 minutes and a real time of 11 minutes and 38 seconds. That was by a speedrunner named Shiny Zenny. Shiny Z-E-N-I. And I believe one of these records, I think it was the any percentage. Let me look while I got my information up here. And I believe the 100% category was a record set by Behemoth87 just a week ago. So, like, obviously, there's a very active speedrunning community. Like I said, there's... I don't even know how many different variants, like 10 or 12 different categories that are that are uh, kept track of on speedrun.com. And uh, I, like I said, like someone just went and did uh, a 100% run and beat a record by 22 seconds, you know. So it's it's something that is uh, very active and happening uh, probably right now on a Twitch stream near you. So along with that, uh, you know, I, I, we talk about like things like miscellaneous facts and trivia. I really don't have anything. The only thing I can really come up with, we already talked about all of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, like the whole Samus Aran backstory right, and right. her dad's being named Rodney. <laughs> Rodney Aran. Mm-hmm. Like Rodney and Virginia Aran. Yeah, quite a couple. You know, could you like change his name? <laughs> Be like Rod, 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 Rod Aran. <laughs> Rod, Rod, Rod. That's probably why the Space Pirates killed him. Yeah, because he sang that. He sounded like the <laughs> Beach Boys song. Yes. Barbara Ann. Yeah, while he lived on K2L. <laughs> I, wish you could, I wish everyone could see me just shaking my head at you right now. Uh, you're right to do it. But yeah, the only thing I really could come up with here is that this game all fit in three megabytes of data. Yeah. and it was Which is 24 megabits. If you want to understand megabits, eight, me, eight, one, eight megabits equals one megabyte. And 1,024 1, megabytes equals one gigabyte and 1024 gigabytes equals one terabyte so to give you some concept of (laughs) how little of a drop of the ocean this this is from a data perspective as it relates to current storage in in the computer and and technology world it's minuscule (laughs) i have a i have a flash drive that has 128 gigs of data on it not just is 120 has that much data on it yeah that's yeah that's it, can, one, it can hold much more. Yeah, that's <laughs> 128,000 megabytes. Right? I need to know Anyway, so, yeah, that's it. That's pretty much what I got. So uh, where where can the people who are already listening to us find us, Jerry? <laughs> All right. There's a few different places you can find us. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter as Lost Joystick, or you can find us on Facebook or Twitch uh, under Lost Joystick Network. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, any corrections, suggestions, comments, uh, you can also email us at info at lostjoystickmetwork.com. And I'm going to tell you, I know nobody listens to this show. You know why I know? <laughs> at least they don't read what I write in the description of the episode. Because in the description of last episode, and this, this offer still stands, 
in the description of the last episode, it said, if you email us at info at lostjoysticknetwork.com with nothing more than the subject of buy me bone storm or go to hell, I will personally send you 40 bucks. No, I said I would personally send them a collection, a game out of my own personal collection of the console of their choice. Right. As long as it's not an expensive one. Yeah, I should have taken you up on that. You really should have emailed me as, uh, what's your, Ken? Fel- Ken Richter. Ken uncle. Richter. Yeah, yeah. Not Ken yeah. Phelps. Not Ken Phelps. Not Ken Phelps. But anyway, anyway out there listening, you want a free game, all you got to do is email us, buy me Bone Storm, or go to hell. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. In this household, we use a little word called please. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so Mike, what are we going to talk about next week? Oh, man. You're going to make me do this, aren't you? Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. I'm an avid video game collector. When you're an avid video game collector, retro video game collector, you want to buying packages of video games, bundles, be it stuff from rental stores, whatever. At one point, about a year or so ago, I wound up buying a bundle of games from a guy who reached out to me on Facebook Marketplace, and he had Nintendo and 3DO games. Mm-hmm. And I have a 3DO. I have yes. an FC1. I have a Panasonic. I've actually owned all three models of my life, but I had an FC1 back in the day, and now I have another one. I actually recently got the Capcom controller with the six buttons, which is pretty slick, uh, so you can play Super Street Fighter 2 and all that. But one of the games, actually, I'll say this. Two of the games I got from the 3DO bundle I got from the guy, one was Lucian's Quest, which is really the only role-playing game on the 3DO, which is a tough-to-find game and relatively expensive. It's a couple hundred bucks in the jewel case, okay? But the one we're going to talk about is one of, and it's aptly named because it's one of the biggest toilet-clogging turds (laughs) of video games ever made. And I know that the Angry Video Game Nerd immortalized this game with a video, but it is so much worse than he ever described it. So, yeah, we're going to do Plumbers Don't Wear Ties for the 3DO. Yes, very excited. We're going to play a 3DO. Play is a... <laughs> we're going to interact with a PowerPoint on yep. 3DO. There you go. Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. All right. Are you so- ready? I eh. do you know the code that you can input to see the side boob? Of course not. But oh, we'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about in it next week. Next week. <laughs> Thanks a lot. So go out there, have fun, be safe, and be excellent to each other.